Hello and welcome back to Turf Talk. It's day two of our Cheltenham Festival previews. My name's Lewis Tomlinson. As per usual, I'm joined by the big man James Watson. How are we doing, pal? Doing well. Um, looking forward to previewing day two. We had a, a, a good preview yesterday with Liam, so go and check that out if you haven't already. And today we're joined by a very good uh, handicap specialist, I like to, I like to think him of. Um, but I'll let you introduce him in a better manner. <laughs> yes, he's our good friend, tip star finalist, jocked off champion, and an all top man, Dan Overall. How are you doing, pal? Oh, the intro gets better every time. It was all right for jocked off, but now I've got jocked off champion in there as well. So now I'm not just a finalist. I could actually <laughs> won something. Superb stuff, yeah. I am very well, thank you, mate. I've sacrificed watching West Ham to be it, so you know I must love you both. And yeah, looking forward to getting stuck into it. Aye, happy days, happy days. We are well in the swing of things now. Let's kick off with what looks to be, I think, the strongest novice hurdle of the meeting. It's the Ballymore, and they currently bet best prices: eleven to four Bob Ollinger, eleven to four Gaia Dumeni, seven to two Brave Man's Game. Appreciate it, sevens, but he's not going. Bear Gills is the best price of sixteens. And then you're looking at Metier and Bally Adam, who are both going elsewhere. The likes of Kate Gentleman, Statler and Blue Lord are all around 20 to 1. They're also likely to go elsewhere. So really, it looks like it primarily concerns the top three in the market and maybe Bear Gills. Dan, what do you make of it? It's a fascinating clash between these top three. And it's one that so far has held its ground. Like We've known it's been these three for the best part of a month now facing off and as of yet no one's defected and no one's got injured so if we could get that going to day two and it's still the same the nappy days I mean it's interesting how the market's changed recently because it wasn't too long ago that Bob Ollinger was about a five to one shot more of the outside of those three and it may have something to do with Jamie Codd's <laughs> very bold words the other day um I'd wish he didn't say it so I could get on at a decent enough price but he'd be the one I'm siding with anyway like I think there's a reality where he was only defeat would be at the hands of the supreme novice hurdle favourite in Fernie Hollow, uh, obviously unfortunately injured, uh, and that could have shaken up the complexion of a lot of these races if he was still around. Appreciate it might have stepped up in trip, but after that defeat, I mean it was a fantastic tussle anyway. He's been very very good since. Obviously won the Lawless of Nace, looking to replicate Envoy Alan in doing the double by winning the Ballymore, and I just think he might be a very special horse. I think Brave Man's game could be as well, but maybe he's more of a long-term three-mile chaser. Quite what Bob Ollinger is, I'm not 100% sure, but he looks very, very good to me, and he'd be the way I'm siding at the moment. So who would you pose as, a, as the biggest threat to him then, Dan? Brave Man's game or Gaillard Dumeni? I would go Brave Man's game. I, I, I think he has just a, a lot of class to him. I mean, he's got to end a few hoodoos, obviously, the, the shallow hurdle curse, as it's affectionately known. Obviously, no one's been able to go on and, and win the Ballymore since after winning that. But plenty have gone close. Obviously, Denman went close, and he's been aired to in the same breath as him. So that's very high praise indeed. I think Paul Nichols had a few as well that have just finished second, finding one too good. So it wouldn't surprise me if that's the way it happens again. Gaillard de Manil, obviously very impressive at the Dublin Racing Festival, but realistically he beat a lot of three milers that day and he did it for a bit of speed and I'm not exactly sold that the three mile novice hurdlers this season are very good 
I think Sattler's solid, but the fact he's a favourite for the Albert Bartlett, I think, shows it's a pretty underwhelming division. So I think maybe Bobblinger's faced speedier horses, and given the Ballymore is often a, more of a test of speed, I think that will hold him in good stead. Jim, I think you like Bob Bollinger as well, don't you, mate? Yeah, you, you, I, I completely agree with what Dan said so far. Um, I mean, Bob Bollinger has been really impressive with what he's, what he's done, and you go back to that Nace uh, race where he beat Blue Lord. He looked the complete opposite of Blue Lord. He had his head in the game, jumped smoothly, travelled strongly, and looked more refined. And Blue Lord looked the complete opposite that day. And, and that sort of made me think, God, he'll be ready for Cheltenham the more I look back at it. I know it's a, it's a race course that you need to have a fairly strong profile at. And it's sort of be, have strong capabilities of travelling, jumping, and have everything go right on the day. And I, and I feel like that could work more for him. Whereas Brave Man's game, like he's already been said, he's a, he's looking like he's going to be a three-mile chaser in the making. And um, I, I feel like at this moment in time, Bob Ollinger is probably slightly ahead of Brave Man's game in maturity. Maybe Brave Man's game will soon or in, in the future overtake that. But I just feel like at this moment in time, he's the more complete package out of the two. Gaillard de Mini with that Nathaniel Lacey last time, you look at previous winners of that race with your latest exhibitions, Commander of Fleet, Tower Bridge, they've all gone on to the Albert Bartlett. And even on the day when you were looking at the race and we when we previewed it, we, we were all thinking these are all going to be three miles. But that three-mile hurdlers, but that race isn't necessarily ended up that way. There's a lot that have gone back in distance, and there's a lot in handicaps over two miles, and I don't think that race will have a staying quality as it has in other years. Dan also mentioned the fact that that, uh, that the staying hurdlers aren't as good as this year, and, and I agree with that. It's a, it's a poorer division. So, Gaillard de Mini, I think, might be outclassed here by two better horses, um, I, I am a fan of Bob Ollinger and I, I do think that he will he's the one to beat in this field and the fact that you can still get 11-4 to 4. Dan also mentioned the fact that he has shortened a lot in price I, I really wish I'd backed him at fives I'd left the race alone and thinking and thinking and thinking and now I'm going to get a lot shorter on the day which is the only negative but I, th- I think Bob Ollinger's the one to side for with me in this you see, I, I entirely respect Bollinger. I was really, really taken by Brave Man's game in the Chalo, though. And I, com- I completely understand the point about him being looking more of a longer-term project, but I think I might be sticking with him. I, I really, really liked Stargate after what he did at Newbury. At that stage, he was my idea of the Ballymore winner, you know, in, in early December. And Brave Man's game absolutely bullied him. Just tanked through the race, looks a horse with such an engine. It it might be a bit of a case of a either he wins or blows out. You know, I, I think Brave Man's game is likely to finish seventh than Bob Ollinger is. But oh, as the outsider of the three, he's the one who I think has posted the most impressive performance this season, and he'll probably be the pick here. Brave Man's game. At look, Bob Ollie's just very, very solid, very, very hard to knock. You know, him and Fernie Hollow pulled half the track clear on their hurdling debuts. Was entitled to have a bit of a look around when he won his uh, his second start up at Navan. 
really, really just in a completely different league to his opposition there. You know, people didn't like the way he jumped after that, but he didn't, he didn't need to concentrate, so it's, it was easy enough to forgive. That problem wasn't there at Nace the next time. Again, Fon looks reasonably solid. Blue Lords backed it up well enough in the Chanel Farmer. Obviously, the Jamie Codd comment as well. Look, I would not put anyone off, off Bob Bollinger, and I it wouldn't be my most confident pick of the meeting. I agree with what you both said about Gaia de Manil. I think of the three of them, he has won the worst race and looks like a little bit more of a stay. I'm not sure. Yeah, like Dan said, that these staying hurdlers this year are, are particularly a great bunch. Statler looks looks semi decent, but you wouldn't be you wouldn't be overly enthusiastic. He's a horse with a hurdles record of one out of three and a bumper record of one out of three. Fakira, as much as I like him, is exposed and a bit slow. You know, so I'd, I'd have him as third best in the race. It it will be brave man's game for me. Just at the prices, it looks like a cracker. Uh, Dan Bear Gills, before we move on, he's in here as well. What do you make of him? He's got some engine, but he can't jump to save his life, really, can he? That's no. kind of the issue. I think, what was it I saw earlier from Nicky Martin? They're on to plan H or some <laughs> meta. I don't yeah. know how far, how many plans they made, but they're far more prepared than I've ever been for anything in my life if they got down to plan H for it. <laughs> so that's pretty impressive. He's He's one of them where... In time, I hope he makes into a cracking horse for them long term. At the moment, I think he's too immature for a race like this. And the fact he's probably what the outsider closest to the front three in the market kind of shows you the, the makeup of this race at the moment. If there's one at a price who I'd be tempted with, if he ran here, I, I pray to God he doesn't. I hope he goes for the Martin Pipe. That's Gentleman de May. I was really taken by his debut for Willie. I think there was a lot more improvement to come from him. I think there were four races on that card where he made his debut over two miles. Uh, there were four races over two miles on that card. His was the quickest by some distance. He was two seconds quicker than Druid's Altar was, carrying a stone more. And obviously the Druid's Altar is thought to be a leading Boodles contender. All the comments afterwards were saying as though he had a setback. There's plenty of improvement left to come with him. And I can definitely see that. And he still looked like a horse of immense quality that day. A Mark 139 is a gift. I pray he goes to the Martin Pipe because he's one of my leading fancies of the week. But... If by some cruel twist of fate they turn up here, he's definitely the outsider I have the highest preference for looking down the market at 20 to 1. Fair enough, mate. I can see that completely. Jim, anything out of price to you? Well, looking at what horses I think will run and which ones will go in which division, I think make me, make me a believer will certainly go in this. Um, he ran at Warwick last time in the Leamington Spa um, and it, it was won and contested by speedier horses, uh, by slower horses, sorry, than him. And he's a, a, a more speedier type. He, he won nicely at Cheltenham over two mile one in, in a novice hurdle beating any news. And look, he won the former. That's been boosted slightly since any news, um, I think, fell at the weekend at, uh, up in Kelso. So there's, I don't, it's not a strong fancy, but I think he'll run, which means 33 to one could become a value. Um, close to the time because he could be a lot shorter on the day. Fair enough, Jim. There's nothing really at a price for me, to be fair. I, I, I think the top three are a fair way clear. I, I agree with everything Dan said about Bear Gills. Still learning on the job, and I don't, I don't think uh, 
you want a horse with that sort of profile in a race like this. Nice prospect going forward with, but not here. Oh, at the start of the season, I, I'd have ran Bally Adamir. I'd, I'd, I'm not convinced by him as an out-and-out two-miler. So I'm a little bit good. It looks like they're going supreme, but that looks like a very, very weak race as well. To my eyes, it lacks depth. So, so I understand why they're coming here. Sorry, why, why they are going for the supreme rather than here. Good race, though. Looking forward to it. It's a uh, brave man's game for me. And Bob Ollinger for Dan and Jim. It is, mate. Nice one. As we move on to the Brown Advisory, Novices Chase, Monkfish Day. He wins everything. <laughs> he wins this. He wins the Gold Cup next year. He'll arrive at Cheltenham next season, still unbeaten. He's 8 to 11 favourite. What's the point of even discussing this? 8 to 1, I clap the rear. 9 to 1, next destination. 10's a big breakaway. 14, Sporting John. Then you can get 20s about Remaster, Dicky Diver, complate, Conflated, Secret Reprieve, who doesn't go to Cheltenham, and Pencil Full of Lead. Uh, Jim, I'll come to you here first. Please, no shrewdness. The only hope for me is that Don says the right things, otherwise you're going to have an angry Tom or out this. Well, no, I don't like Tom here as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh hell. Um, Monkfish is the absolute unit. Uh, he seems to improve with every performance that he puts up every time. Two mile five, three miles. He just keeps confirming how good he is and his superiority over the rest of the div- uh, division. Um it's it's hard to say that anything could even get close to him, um, but there is some nice horses in behind. I I do think he'll win, and hopefully on everyone's that 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 sacred acker uh, of everyone's three novice chases. For the sake <laughs> of everyone, I really hope that it goes in because <laughs> because there's a lot a lot of people that have got it. Um, but eight to eleven is obviously not a price you'll be wanting to back at. So it'll it'll He'll win, but I, I, I won't back him now. Um, but I am a fan of Equadoria. Um, he's run under rules four times, two chases, two hurdles, and he's had two lovely chase performances so far, winning that grade three last time, beating Escaria 10. Um, he just reminds me of the old-fashioned style chaser um, that you, you normally need to win this race. And he's been... He did, didn't get too hardly campaigned during his hurdle career, um, and having only the two starts, and, and I think that'll that's the only slight worry about me in this is his inexperience. But in his performances the last twice, I thought he's gone fairly strongly and um, not looked green at all, really. But you never know in a race of this nature, it might just slightly surprise you. Um, and he's my idea of the second. Um, the big breakaway is a horse that I have got a lot of time for. Um, he's a fine big horse who's jump like a snooker table in his last two starts and return to Cheltenham I think will suit which saw, which saw him get his head in front on his novice chase career um, dropped him down in trip to try and get out eke out a bit of speed of him at Exeter and, and that was made to have egg all over the face, he was disappointed and just couldn't get going and his jumping wasn't quick enough and last time at Kempton on a track that didn't suit him in the Corto star, I thought that he, in general, he did really, really well to get into the position he was. The amount of errors he made, he was never travelling. The course was far too sharp. And seeing the return to Cheltenham was seeing him in a better light. And I think he's more than likely going to be behind Ecuador Duret. Um, and I'd, I'd be advising a, a tri-cast of Monkfish, Ecuador Duret and the big breakaway. Because I think them three are 
a fair bit ahead in this because I'm, I've got the idea that Rob Pagai won't be wanting to um, run in the same race as Monkfish with the same connections. Fair enough, mate. Yeah, I, I understand your thinking there completely. Dan, I've, I've seen before you you quite like it, like Daria. Do you think you could topple Monkfish here? I really hope so, so I'd look like the shrewdest man alive. <laughs> like, I had a lot of hopes of riding on him, and it would be somewhat, I'd have a, a, a fun time poking fun at everyone if he beats Monkfish, just for the fact. I mean, I'm on that novice chase treble as well at decent odds. I think I backed it back in November. So I'm sat on one of them as well, but for pure smugness factor, I hope a clap de rear can do it, because I feel, I, I don't think I'm a great judge of graded races. I think I'm much better at handicap. So if I can pick this one out of thin air, <laughs> I'd be so happy. I mean, there's a lot to like about him, isn't there? He's been so thoroughly professional, despite his inexperience. So only two chase starts would be quite a significant negative for most winners of this race. It's not something that happens very often, but... If there's one man who can seem to get these inexperienced types to perform at the big stage, it's Henry de Bromhead. So I have full faith in his abilities to get him ready for this. I think even as a novice hurdler, he started very late. But I think I remember hearing that Henry said he was going to go to Aintree um, for the grade one if that meeting was on. So clearly they thought a fair bit of him for some time. And he's going to be the one that he's going to put the others to the test. Like He's going to go out. He's going to set his stall out from the front. If you're good enough, come and beat me. Look, the chances are Monkfish is good enough and will do that. But I think he's going to ask serious questions of the luck of the big breakaway who can't jump to save his life. Like He's be the first one I rule off just because I can't see him living with the pace that Monkfish, Monkfish will be just in behind a clap de rear, you reckon, and those two won't miss a beat out in front. Whereas the big breakaway, I mean, any minute he can throw his toys out the pram and just forget to lift a leg and, and that's game over. Sporting John, I'd say, is in a similar camp. Obviously, that the Ciliars fell apart and that settled perfectly for him with Shamblu and Peyton the Dream going too hard up front and he just kind of was there and didn't completely capitulate. So that kind of handed the race to him. Very talented horse, but again, he just can't seem to get in a proper rhythm. So, I look, Mungfish is going to be very tough to beat for a clap de rear. I'm fully aware of that. I think more rain would help a clap de rear's chances. Everything about him, his pedigree, his runs, the way he runs, uh, his form so far screams heavy ground. I think quick ground would be an issue. Hopefully good to soft, maybe slightly on the softer side. There seems to be a fair bit of rain forecast for the coming days for Cheltenham. So it might just be on the slower side of good to soft by the time the day comes around. And if it is that, I think he'll give a great effort from the front. As you say, I think he, he might end up finishing uh, second. But I hope he can give me a good run for my early money anyway. Fair enough, mate. He has done, he has done really, really well in, in a short space of time. Do you think the race kind of fell apart a little bit behind him at Nace last time? I don't know if it fell apart. I just think, I, I'm not sure if he's one of those who just always does a bit, just does enough. I think if you watch his first start back as well, and it's kind of the reason I was a bit taken by him, he got taken on fairly early on, and he had to bat off a few. He got headed, I think, approaching four out by, it would have been schoolboy hours, I believe. And he just kind of just plugged on and did his own thing. And he's not one of these to kind of over-race and put a massive stamp on things. I think he just kicks on. I don't think he was absolutely flat out that day. I think he still had a bit to hand. If anything did come at him, like he would have probably been able to bat them off just because he's, he looks a, a relentless scalloper as well. 
I mean, I think there were a few disappointments in behind, weren't there? But people are digging up Ascaria tent for every race he's entered. So people clearly can't think too badly of it. Pencil full of lead, the best of his form is very good in Ireland, but he has thrown in some bad runs in there as well. Was he at his best behind a cut to rear? Almost certainly not. But I think it's hard to knock exactly what he did. It's also hard to envision a scenario where he's going to get massively taken on for the lead, you'd imagine. Like, is there any? This is going to probably be a small field. Most things are going to do everything they can to avoid Monkfish. Is there anything else that's going to really want to take a Clat de Rear on, who's such a good jumper at the head of the fairs? And is there anything that even can jump with him, like the way he does? I'm not so sure. So I think he'll get a fairly good thing, time of things out in front anyway. And um, if that happens, he'll... He'll be there and thereabouts. If he's good enough, uh, we'll find out. But we've still got a lot of learning to do about this horse. Fair enough, mate. I can see that completely. Uh, look, I, I think Monkfish is, is one of the best things I've ever seen, if I'm honest. <laughs> Loved him last season as a novice hurdler. Put him up for the Albert Bartlett here. Uh, and my doubt about him there was, would, would he be too much of a chasing type, you know, I thought he might have been a little bit vulnerable to something a little bit more hurdly, with a little bit more zip about him, but he was absolutely brilliant, battled back after being headed, the Albert Bartlett work has worked out like a really, really good race, you know, latest exhibition, Fury Road, Time Hill, good, good, good horses beaten in there, always looked like we're going to be a better chaser than he is, his beginner's chase could really have been a grade three on paper, I think there were six horses in opposition who had achieved a rating of one three five plus, which is better than you'll get in some early season novice chasers, uh, graded novice chasers. The front two in the Goldmine Hurdle, Sam's Profile and Dior Kerr, well beaten. Ascaria Ten, as we mentioned, well beaten. His stable mate on the ropes chased him home. Alpine Cobra is well out of form nowadays, but was an all right hurdler last season. Absolutely thrashed. And Monkfish were jogging. You know, the, these are serious graded quality horses, some of them, or at least borderline graded quality. It was ridiculous. Step back up to three miles next time out. Beat Lake East Exhibition once again. Just n- never, it's never looked in doubt at all for Monkfish in three starts. The flow gas was his best performance yet. Going into that, I was less confident about that than I was about Christmas, just because I wasn't sure whether the drop back down in trip would play to latest exhibition strengths more than it would Monkfishers. Uh, didn't matter. Jumped absolutely flawlessly. Latest exhibition wasn't himself either, to be fair. But he's soundly beaten once again. Andy Dufresne and the Styrian Falange, both very, very good horses as well. Uh, you know, I, I mentioned before on the podcast, I, I retain a fair amount of faith in Andy Dufresne. He might not be a world beater as some expected him to be when he's a reputation first came about but I still think he's a, he's a very very smart animal the Styrian Falange actually seemingly ran up to his level that day I just I just don't understand where the flaws in him are Cheltenham form tick good Cheltenham form at that as well stays jumps has substance in terms of horses he's beating him behind like if you were to take latest, latest exhibition without Monkfish then you've got a horse who has won four grade ones in his career and has never been out of the first two you know <laughs> I mean he has never been out of the first two in his career but that that would still be there <laughs> and he'd, he'd have won six of his last seven races and be a four time grade one winner 
with Art Monkfish, you look at latest exhibition and you think he's an absolute banker for this as well. And he's not even running because they're scared of Monkfish. They know so we need a moment of silence for latest exhibition and Paul Nolan. <laughs> they have been like scarred by Monkfish. <laughs> they're abandoning all Cheltenham plans. They're just like buckling up and going Irish national instead. I mean, he, he's, I feel so sorry for the lad and the owners because he's a really, really nice horse. He's just bumped into a bit of a freak multiple yeah, times. Exactly, exactly, mate. In, in, in many other years, latest exhibition will be the outstanding novice chaser by a mile of his generation. And they're staying at home because they know there's no point trying. Again, as I said before, I think he'll win the gold, I think he'll win the gold cup next season. I think he'd win it this season. If they ran him, I think that's how good he is. Big, beautiful, absolute tank. Can't see him getting beat. I do think there is a little bit of each way value to chase him home there, and it's the horse Dan did at like the big breakaway. Oh dear! <laughs> oh dear! Who does everything wrong? But I, I get the feeling that this will seem to better effect than any race we've seen him in this season. I can almost see him kind of doing a little bit of a half champ and making these errors and getting, you know, getting behind. But one thing this horse does do is stay and he's got a proper engine. And if you can get him rolling up the hill, I I can see him being the one to chase Monkfish home. Look, the, the, the caveat there is, obviously, he has to jump. <laughs> but he's... He's only really ran one in one race this season that suit that would suit him on paper, and that was rather impressive when he won oh, uh, here at Cheltenham back in November. Exeter was over a trip too short, and he got mugged by a quicker horse in Bold Plan. Kempton he would have won if he'd have jumped up the home straight, and I don't think he looks like a Kempton horse. He looks like a you know a big, strange like giraffe type animal. <laughs> <laughs> who, you know, who, who just needs to be able to gallop and lollop along. And just like giraffes, not known for their jumping. <laughs> oh, no. And this, this is a genuine truth as well. I smashed my phone the other few, uh, a few weeks ago, trying to illustrate to my brother how the big breakaway jumps. <laughs> and That's not a good sign. No. <laughs> if you're like throwing your phone down face first as hard as you can, that's about how he jumps. <laughs> I mean, I can see why you've done it. Also, why did you go with the phone? Wasn't there anything else you could have used? <laughs> no, no, I didn't, I didn't throw it. I, I jumped and it fell out of my pocket. Oh. Ah. <laughs> okay, that explains a lot more. It raises more questions as well. And also, <laughs> also, Lewis, if you, if, the, if you imagine a champ-style scenario this year, I will have severe PTSD if, if he's flying over to come and beat Monkfish because I, <laughs> I think that might put me off racing for the rest of my life. I don't think I can handle it two years in a row. No, look, I, I I think in terms of ability, I think what the big breakaway has shown is that he's probably the second best horse in this race. And there are still things for him to work upon. You can see where the clear upside to the big breakaway is. Obviously, that that is an if. But I'd prefer him to a horse who I think is just not good enough like Next Destination, who is really solid and likeable, but he's workmanlike and he's a probably a mid-150s horse. The big breakaway might end up getting close to 160 in his lifetime, or at least above, if he's able to sort those issues out. Uh, speaking of Next Destination, Jim, what do you make of him and Sporting John, who won the Silly Isles last time out? Yeah, I, I'm a fan of Next Destination. I really like what he did last time um, at... Warwick, I thought he kept finding every time Fiddler on the Roof came to him. 
And there was question marks about Fiddler on the Roof staying, but I thought he stayed that day. Better than I was possibly expecting. Um, obviously, we we didn't see him for uh, quite a while, and, and this season sort of been a rebuilding process. And I, I have I have quite liked what Next Destination's done. I, I think he'd be interesting in the National Chase. I know we talked about that race yesterday, and I didn't really mention it, but I think he'd be more interesting in this against the three that I've mentioned already. Mm. Yeah, he'd, he'd have a great chance in that. I think they just don't want to risk him because he's so fragile. Yeah. I think that's what Paul Nichols said earlier in the season. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, he's a nine-year-old now, isn't he? I think and he's known also, nine-year-old winner since also 1992. Also interesting that he still holds that stays hurdle entry. Why is he holding that? Oh, does he? That's interesting. Yeah. So, it'd be, it'd be interesting to see where they go. Um, that was a cracking start, that, Dan. <laughs> um, <laughs> so... Um, yeah, I, I think you'll need to step up again, but I certainly won't rule it out. Oh no, I I, I can't say. I, I I I think he's lucky. He is he is a likable horse, but mid one mid one fifties. I'm not sure he's had much to beat in on either of his starts so far. Uh, Sporting John Jim. Um, I thought it was quite fortunate last time in the way the race sort of set up for him. He was given a very patient ride by Richard Johnson and. Um, he's jumping warm to the task the further he got on. Back at Cheltenham, where he was thrashed last season by Envoy, he'll need to step up again. I don't think... I think he was fortunate last time in the way the race set up and the fact that Shamblu had already had a lot of hard races already through the season and he was coming in a fresher horse. Uh, and um, I'm wary. I want to see him do it again. Fair enough, and for you, Dan, on Sporting John? Yeah, I echo that statement. Yeah, I just question whether his jumping's good enough to hold up like the big breakaway early on. I see him making a lot of fiddly mistakes. He got away with it last time because of the way the race was run and the way it set up, but I don't think he's going to get such a fortunate time of it this time around, so I'd be willing to leave him alone. No doubt the talent's there. It's just the case there's too many question marks, really, in my book. Yeah, I'd agree completely a, a little bit flattered by winning that race last time out. He's shaped like well I can see why they're going up in trip but the, the, there were as many things to not like about what he did in winning than they were about liking it. Not quite sure. Anything for you out of price Dan? Um, nothing really. It's hard to see much turning up. I mean I know everyone loves Lieutenant Rocco for the Ultima. Yeah, I think he'd have a great chance off that mark but I'm still not convinced they'll go there. Like the vibes after he won last time was, oh, we're not going to rush him. We might stick to novice company. He's only a six-year-old. There's plenty left in him, and they think the world of him. I think if they, they've got the prospect of a seven-eight runner, grade one festival novice chase, I can see them coming here instead and maybe saving him for handicaps later on after all they can running them in future years, and maybe they go for this race and then the Hennessy. Um, I can see that uh, scenario playing out. I certainly hope so because I'm still in love with I write for the Ultima. No, um, no. <laughs> he's my nap of dear one. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't worry. Like we said earlier, you might be able to go back and edit it. <laughs> <laughs> dear one's already out, sadly. Well, so. no, but no, it's fine. Just go back and dub it. <laughs> no one will know. 
<laughs> I think if he rocks up here, he, he would be a, an interesting one. He might sneak a place, but he's a, I think he's a lovely long-term prospect. and It'll be interesting to see where he does turn up. If they go for the ultimate, clearly they're very confident with his mark, and they should be. Anything for your other prize, Jim? We have the turf top 12 in uh, St. Bart's from Adam Webb. It, uh, he's also entered in the National Hunt Chase as well, and we didn't really mention him. Um, but he's getting his act together now over fences. He's very gangly. And he's almost giraffe-like as well. Um, he needs to <laughs> he needs to step up, but uh, uh, staying chases will be his bag. And maybe this might be a bit too early in handicaps later next season. But he, he, he's interesting in what he goes for. I, I I think they might go for this rather than the national launch chase because a lot of trainers are worried about that race and the and the breaking of the horses that that does. But it doesn't worry me necessarily as much. I have some Bart's down as like a Welsh national type, maybe. Yeah. Seems to love every ground, looks a forestayer. I think mm. next year Welsh national would be very interesting. Mm. He was my backup pick after after the, the moral winner of the Q Muir won the Fiestes. Uh, we're not going <laughs> to mention his name, because it might bring him back PTSD to Dan. But I, I had St. Bart's there as my Q Muir horse, and when he wasn't entered, I was absolutely gutted. I, I thought he'd have won that race. Uh Look, there's nothing out of price for me because I don't think there's anything interesting and it's all academic anyway because Monkfish absolutely dances up the banker of the meeting. How many lengths? How many lengths? Just just so I can get this in writing. How far does he win? Oh, I don't, I don't know. I don't care. I don't, I'm, I don't care about <laughs> nonsense. If you're betting on... You need section in if you're... want a blogger yes. distance bet. Come on. Come on, we want a baby shark. Uh, <laughs> 65. 65 lengths. <laughs> right, after we tweet this podcast, we are going to ask a bookmaker to price up Monkfish to win by 65 lengths. Make sure we get over as well, just in case he wins by 66 by <laughs> <Yeah>. mistake. Bold <laughs> oh, shout. It's a <laughs> lunatic show. So is he starting now? <laughs> oh, DL. <laughs> He will dance up. Uh, moving on to the 230. It's a Coral Cup, usually the biggest field of the week for this competitive handicap hurdle. Over two and a half mile, two five. Te- technically two and a half. You know, let, let, let's not be nitpicky. Uh, Grandois, six to one favourite. Uh, tens, Kashari, the shunter wide receiver. Twelves, Column of Fire, Power of Pause. Craig Niche, fourteens, Escalane, Great White Shark, Birchdale. Al Art and Bear Gills is there as well. Sixteenth, Buzz, you raise me up. Maze Runner, Black Tears, Third Win, Thomas Darby and Golo, Westcock, Wildway, Tiger Tap Tap, Tell Me Something Girl, Lady Breath, Gabby Nacko, Monte Cristo, Guardian <laughs> and Guardian Dreams. It looks easy. <laughs> yeah, um, can you go through that list again? <laughs> I think he forgot to breathe halfway through. Oh, I don't, I don't think I have the time to go through it again, don't you, worry. <laughs> oh, yeah, this is a, it's always a, a bit of a nightmare puzzle to solve, isn't it, really? You can see why Grand Wise at the head of the market. Kashari's been a bit of a, a shrewd horse for some time now, obviously, after that very eye-catching run at the Dublin Racing Festival. You can definitely see it with him. Just wonder if he's maybe bit long in the tooth now is he still has all the potential he once did maybe not there's two uh, decent prices which funny enough weren't on your list that I'm in favour of the first is Botox has for Gary Moore who's been very bullish about him in the build up 
I mean, it's not like Gary Moore to be bullish about horse. God knows. But he's uh, he seems to be in tip-top form for this at home. He's got a fantastic Cheltenham record thus far. He's finished second once and uh, first twice. So course form, a massive tick. Normally, I wouldn't be going near last season's juveniles in open company. But I think he's acquitted himself quite well in open company thus far. And five-year-olds actually have quite a good record in the Coral Cup, which isn't something that's said about many races at Cheltenham. If you take away the last three renewals and look just at 2006 to 2017, there were 61 five-year-old runners across them. Four of them, uh, there were four winners from those 12 renewals and a further 18 finished in the first five. And that's from a representation of just 19%. So overperform against statistics if you look at those years. His form of all mankind reads really well. He's got a, a decent enough mark. And I think he showed at Ascot a bit more spark and the fact that he's ready for this step up in trip. Uh, with the comments that he's been aimed for this race for some time, he's going well at home. I think he's a fair enough better 20 to 1. And the other one that caught my eye, which I was just looking before we came on here actually, is Alpha Mix, who was seventh in last year's renewal. It was, I think it was one of those shrewd ones before last year's festival because he was just purchased by JP just to run in the Coral Cup or, or, or for that run. So he was an interesting one. He was ridden a bit strangely last year. He was trying to make all, which in a Coral Cup is a very tough task. And it's a bit of a strange they rode him that way. Eventually, he ended up dueling with another JP horse in Top Moon. He ended up finishing 20th. And I think those two together kind of set the race up for damn the company. So it might have been part of the JP master plan all along. And I think last year's renewal in general was quite a strong race. You had Thou Shall Not Be Named, uh, the certain grey with beach in his name back in ninth. You had Backerson <laughs> in sixth. Obviously, he's been on a roll this season. On his fifth was uh, fifth off 140. He's now 10 pounds higher. Flat Tears, Dame de Company, both look graded class to me. So that was quite a strong race. And Alpha Mix has been chasing this season in three starts over the minimum trip. Finished behind Black Bow, Captain Guinness and Aramax. And on the third of those starts, he was very much put down as an eye catcher. Uh, he was staying on late, but I never thought he convinced over the larger obstacles that much. And oddly, horses coming back from fences in the Coral Cup have a very good record. If you look at the last five renewals, uh, nine horses who have been chasing that season and finishing the first four. So nearly half of everything to finish within the places had run that season earlier over fences, which is a bit of an odd stat. And I think it's representative of the fact that a lot of classy horses potentially go chasing they're not quite cutting the grade over fences, but they come back over hurdles on a decent enough mark. So they're still relatively well handicapped and they run a big race in what is traditionally quite a classy handicap. He's back here off the same mark as last year off 143. He's still only a six year old with only seven starts over hurdles. I think if they give him a more patient ride and they don't make him do the donkey work that I did last year, I think he can run another big race. And I think he's about 20 to one at the moment. That seems a, a big price to me. Fair enough, Dan. I can see that thinking completely. What about you, Jim? Um, you can completely understand why Grand Wa, uh is the price he is. He was purchased for a fair amount of money uh, at the end of the season, and obviously Nile and Valerie Moran picked him up. Um, Grand Wa tried to give Backerson £7 on his latest start. Now, Backerson is rate 148 over hurdles, 160 over fences, uh, and has been on a fair roll this season, winning his last five. So, Grandma got within five lengths of Backerson, and despite the weight concession, he finished ahead of Beacon Edge as well, who beat him at Galway. Um, I think the handicap mark of 149 is very fair, and you can understand why he's favourite. But 
there's something about tipping favourites that I, I, I don't really enjoy. Um, the horse that I think I'll be siding with, and hopefully they go here instead uh, of the mayor's novice, is Tell Me Something Girl. Um, they have decided this season that she's she's just been hampered on a, a, the last flight last time out, and she was eye-catching to finish third, and it, it was her first run since September, and the step-up and trip and, and better ground, I think, will suit her a lot more. Um, the race that she ran in last time out, I think, was used by Black Tears as a prep uh, when finishing second in the race last year, which I thought was a, a slight interesting angle. Um, and I think I think she's interesting at 20 to 1. Um, I, I hopefully hoping she goes for this because I think it'll be more up her street to run two mile five than two mile in that in that mare's novice. Um, I, just, I, I just think her mark's fairly generous. Yeah, I can see that, mate. It's fair enough. Nicky Henderson's got a really, really decent recent record in this race. I'm going for one of his. I like Craig Niche. Very, very lightly raced. Impressive winner last time out at Ascot. His only start this season. Uh, he's up £12 to that to a mark of 139. I still think there might be a little bit more to come. He's won three out of his four starts. In first starting off in a bumper at Market Racing where he beat Belfast Banter who's not a use uh, who's not a useless horse. Went over hurdles last season, finished third behind the big breakaway and Papa Tango Charlie. Again, good form, IK Brunel and Killer Clown. Both in behind him that day, you know. That was a strong race of its type. He went and won a a little bit of a penalty kick at Donny next time out, odds of eleven to four on. I, I just got the impression he looked like a horse who was a serious, serious engine. He was putting more and more distance between himself and Arriva Dirt. He was a good yardstick. who's had a good season for uh, for John Joe O'Neill at Ascot last time out. And he was just clearing and clearing away. This might be closer to a high-end one for his horse, I reckon, with, with uh, the promise of hopefully more to come, even £12 up. I think he's the one I'll be siding with. Fair enough. There are one or two at a bit of a price. I could see. I like mint condition in general. Uh, I'd prefer him to run in the Martin Pipe uh, just so he can renew partnership with Lily Pinching, who won on him at Weatherby back in December. A mark of one three eight, I think, is fair enough for him if they want to go back into handicaps. His last two runs have come in novice hurdles, but he's not been utterly disgraced. I do generally like the angle, like Dan said, of horses coming back into. Uh, coming back over hurdles from handicaps in this. I, I backed Backerson last season, who I think I managed to get six places with, and he creeped into that. <laughs> if I were to look at something like that, Cool Cody could be well handicapped if they wanted to come back over hurdles with him. Done well over fences this season, and his best hurdles form would see him near enough here. You know, rate, rated... A peak of one four five over hurdles is one three seven now. Not sure how likely he is to rock up here. Is he's, he's uh, entered in the plate, the Marsh and the Martin Pipe as well. He might be semi interesting. He's holding his form well. Nothing else particularly at a bigger price. The Rasso's got an interesting profile here as well because this race has often gone to horses towards the top end of the of the weights, you know. 
he's he's n- not won for a while now. All, uh, it'll be two years come Cheltenham, really. But there are still bits and pieces of form in here that might give him a chance. He, he's dropping down the ratings, you know, fairly well beaten by Jason the Militant last time out. But he's fourth in the Galmoy. He's steady enough. He might just be regressive and slow now. But this is the sort of race where if, if there is a little bit of spark left in in one four seven, could well be workable. I don't think he's ever ran in a handicap hurdle before uh, since he's been with Josie for Brian, as far as I'm aware. He, he's a hard horse to play because he's been finishing midfield in grade twos and threes in Ireland for about the past two years. Tenth in the champion hurdle last season. So one four seven might be a workable mark for Durasso. He's not a two-miler anymore. You know, definitely wants more of a trip than that. If there is a little bit of a resurgence, I could see it potentially coming in a race of this sort. But that that's uh, not the most confident case I'll ever make. But I could, at 33 <laughs> to 1, I wouldn't put anyone off. I actually looked at him um, relatively recently for this. I just came to the conclusion that they have absolutely no idea what this horse is. <laughs> <laughs> like you, you look at what he's been running recently. Fences, like three miles, and he's been, oh, you know, we'll go back two mile hurdling with him. As you say, he's been always kind of great in the company. Like he was second uh, in a on debut. I think that was a listed race. Then it's been grade two, his grade three. And there was, remember a time last season, around February time, where everyone was looking for something in the champion hurdle because it looked so poor. He suddenly became like the shrewd horse all of a sudden. Like I think he was due to run in the Red Mills, and like everyone was piling onto him at like fifty to one for the champion hurdle. He was cut to like sixteen before he even ran. And then he got stuffed by Shilas Emery, who ended up then being the guys, the horse everyone wanted to be on for the champion hurdle. Uh, there's something there, or at least there was with him. I just don't know if he's a bit tripless and fearless and what's going on with him, really. Uh, but, yeah, as you say, if he could really discover what people thought he was back then, 147 would be great. And to be fair, Joseph is one of those trainers I think could pretty one for a handicap. And owned by that man again, JP. So there are things there to like. I mean, if he's running, he'd warrant consideration. Yeah, just... just uh, uh, He's 33 he's for a reason, but but he is a sort of horse that you look at and you think there, if if there's a little bit left in him, and there have been signs this season that, that ability retains uh, it remains there, potentially. So your number one pick then, Dan? Well, I'll let you have the two then. <laughs> uh, I think Botox has his number two. I you know, I literally only put him up like a day ago as well, Botox has, but I've, I've changed my mind. I think I think Alpha Mix has got a really nice profile for this race. I think he's still young, still progressing. Uh, he's got a race on his, off this mark. So I think about 20 to 1 the pair. I think they're both fair each way propositions. Jim? For, um, tell me something, girl, if she runs in this. But there's, there's also, I forgot to mention, you raised me up, who's also in the county. Um, I hope they go that route in, instead of this. I, I think two miles is where we seem to best affect. I know we won well last time, but um, if, if you raise me up, runs in this, I'd be disappointed. But I'd also give him a slight squeak. Fair enough, mate. And it'd be Craig Niche. For me, as we move on to the feature race, of Wednesday at the Cheltenham Festival, it's the Betway Queen Mother Champion Chase. And the bet currently best price ten to eleven Chacun Porsoir to be Altior at sevens, eights Politologue and Nubi Negra, tens put the kettle on, twelves Min who doesn't run here, 
similar comments probably apply to Fakir Duderi at the same price. Sol Royal does run here at 12s, and you're looking 14s first flow, 16s, Sam Crow, 20s, Silos Emery, and Rouge Viff. Uh, I'll come to you first here, Danny. Shaq and Poswara Banker. I think a lot of people were banking on and hoping, if you were going to pick holes in him, that you finished a bit tamely again at the Dublin Racing Festival, but he did near enough the complete opposite, didn't he? Obviously, that's the extended two-mile one. There was a ferocious pace on, and he hit the line hard in what was a properly run race. At this stage, there are a few holes left to throw at him. The one thing you'd say is, obviously, lack of Cheltenham form. But let's be real, I think at the moment, he's just a class above everything else in this. That's represented in the price, obviously. At the moment, of 4 to 6, 8 to 11, I would not be touching the barge pole until he actually makes it to the track. Because we know from last year that he can have little setbacks here and there. He hasn't been the most straightforward for all that. He's run more times this season. I think he has in the previous two combined. So that's positive for him. And he's just very hard to knock in terms of a proper horse at two miles, where everything else you're looking at, obviously Altior, a prime Altior against Prown, Chaka Boswa would be a great race, but he's not what he was. And everything outside of them are just like B tier. If there's a star in this race, a star for now, and a horse who might be able to do it next year as well, it's Chacan Poussoir. So I think it's hard to really bet against him at this stage, confidently anyway. I'd agree with you completely. I, I see no reason whatsoever why he gets beat. I, I wasn't too worried either before Dublin about the uh, his supposed weak finishing because that's not where he wins his race. You know, he he kind of burns people off in the in the mid to latter section, so it's natural that he's going to be tiring at the finish. You know, if 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 you put twenty lengths between yourself and your nearest rival and get them in so much bother with three furlongs left to run, they can afford to make up fifteen. The result's still the same. You know, I I do think it is something punters often fall into, uh, being overly impressed by horses who tend to finish strongly. You have to be in the position to win the race in the first place. You know what I mean? The the uh, the one that springs to mind immediately is the race between Getaway Trump and Aldanza at Cheltenham last season. And I think Aldanza finished ahead of Getaway Trump uh, first time out. And then when they met again, Getaway Trump went off Fav on account that he'd supposedly finished stronger. Not how it works. Get ahead, make sure you're there and win the race. That's what Shaq and Postwell will do. Uh, I think he's behind Monkfish, the second biggest banker of the meeting. Don't see how he gets beat. Don't Big see day for you, day two. It it's is going to be a heavy Shakan Monkfish double day, and if that goes, we might not see you again. <laughs> yeah, the rich, 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 rich flags will be out in force in Halifax, <laughs> won't they, Luke? Oh, I mate. Look, I, I, I wasn't, I hadn't, I wasn't quite convinced by Shakan Poswai yet last season. Uh, I thought Altio was going to beat him if they were both turning up here. But every doubt you could have had about him has surely been allayed by now. He's he's just looked really, really flawless. He travels so strongly and then he finds after. Uh, yeah, he, he'll win. He should win. Jim, are you with me? I'm going to come in with my baseball bat and smack you all out of the park and go, no. I'm looking Oof. to get Shaq on Postwell beat here. Um, Although I have been impressed with what he's done this year, and even going into last year, 
I, I couldn't be backing him until I saw him in the parade ring walking round because we've seen what's happened in recent years. He's just not been right on the day uh, or he's had an injury or whatever. Um, so I think I think he's odds are skinny. I, I'd slightly like him a bit bigger. Um, and I wouldn't necessarily go as far as a banker because on the day, there's certain horses in this that could turn up and be right back to the best. I know LTR hasn't been this season and I really, really don't fancy him to win this. But if he was to be back to his best, he'd certainly trouble, uh, trouble Shaq on Porsoir. Politolog as well, another horse who will be looking to bounce back. He's a, he'll be a lot better with these sort of con- conditions. It won't be as soft as what it was at Ascot. Uh, I'm not expecting first floor to come here. And and I think he might be able to get an easier lead. A horse that interests me at a big price, and he might not even run, but 50 to 1 not running no bet, is a horse that I haven't exactly had a loving relationship with, is Iblio. Now, Lewis, I know tip star flashbacks. <laughs> um, I'm not saying this to take the piss, um, but <laughs> he is still progressing with each run. And he ran with plenty of credit last time in that handicap. He's building his way up. And you've seen Venetia Williams do this with these types of horses before. And if you look at the same price comparison as Fanny and Destreval, I'd say Iblio could be slightly better than Fanny and Destreval. And he's been running these sorts of races already this season. He jumps very well. Two miles is his trip. He does like to get his toe in, which... Could be a worry at this moment in time. The run-up to Cheltenham is looking to be fairly good. But if you're offering 50-1 to 1 about a horse that's on the upgrade and in a division that's that's very weak at the minute and that a handicapper could possibly progress into, I think this could be the sort of race that Iblio would like. Um, he is also entered in the play, is in the Ryanair. Uh, and he's in the Grand Annual, and of course, if if I if I like him for this, I have to like him for the Grand Annual. But at fifty to one, non runner no bet is a price that interests me. Um, with a lot of horses that I can pose question marks with, Altiar, I'm not exactly sure whether he's past his best now. New Bay Negro was it a fluke last time? Uh, I want to see him do it again. Politologue, he's he's sort of the standard setter for the division. Min's not running. Put the kettle on's not good enough. First floor probably won't run. Cos Emery, who knows what's going to happen with him. I, he was disappointing in November, but I bounced back last time. Fakir Duderia, and he's beatable. Uh, Rouge Vif, he's, he's had a pretty disappointing uh, season so far, barring that win at Cheltenham early on. Grenatine isn't good enough, uh, have, and that pains me to say, having thinking he, he was the possible winner of this racing. Uh, September um, Notebook isn't good enough either Especially around Cheltenham uh, Which leaves Iblio at 50s That I think non-running no bet is a, is a very fair price I can see that Jim but I think this is very much a case of Envoyland again from last year Where you're trying to overcomplicate things I, I think You know what No 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 don't do this Jim I was going to say I'll have the field, but <laughs> but um, I, I've been bitten on the arse too many times by doing that with you, Lewis. So I think <laughs> I, I think I think my my heart is ruling my head and looking to get Shaq on beat. Well, if 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 my heart was ruling my head, I'd, I'd be without you completely. But 
the the problems and issues that Altior's that have been creeping into Altior's game across the past two or three years, even when he was still winning, had grown to such a level at Kempton that I see I just do not see how he is able to turn any sort of form around. He was off the bridle for about a mile and a half, you know, and. To his credit, his head looked still there, you know, he, he battled on gamely, but was never, ever getting to Nubi Negra. Uh, looked a horse who was just outpaced, and a horse who, whose legs were going. Politolog uh, fell into winning this race last season, although he jumped brilliantly. Was probably as good in the Tingle Creek, achieved a career high rating when doing that. No obvious excuse when beaten by first throw last time out. And again, he'd probably be a little bit of a disappointing winner of this for all these players came to find. Nubi Negra is interesting because he was, he was decent without being top class as a novice chaser last season. Really, really impressive in the Desert Orchid. But was that a race full of out of form and old horses? You know, I'm, I've never been convinced by Duke de Geneva. Rouge Vif, good handicapper, isn't he? You know, needs to step up again by another £10. Put the kettle on. Again, don't see how she reverses the form. I would be a little bit keener on Notebook at a price, even with his Cheltenham record, just because he's a, he's a very, very buzzy inti. He's a horse who gets stressed. Maybe a lack of crowd might see him enjoy Cheltenham a little bit more this season. And if Fakir Duda, he goes to Ryanair, he's the horse with the second best chasing form over two miles in Ireland across the past two years. So if I was to have an each-way swing, it would be notebook, or potentially if he sends Silos Emery, I, I absolutely love him. I think he's the second best two-mile chaser, but you know whether they decide to turn him out again so quickly, I'm not sure, but... Again, I think it's all a little bit academic. I'm going to say academic. That's not a word. Uh, the irony of you struggling to say academic is quite amazing, isn't it, really? Yeah. I thought you were trying to say higgledy-piggledy. It's, it's, uh, none of what I've just said matters because Shaq and Poswar wins. Uh, Danny's not from your price, pal. I love that Sheila Emery is like the dark horse every festival. I think he's going to get to the stage know. when he's 13 and he's going to be the dark horse for like the Fox Hunters. Yeah. Lewis, L- Lewis has fancied him for every race he's run at Cheltenham, I swear. <laughs> well, do you know, I, 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 I had I had I had him anti-post the article the year Duke de Genève won it, and I am convinced that Seal Semi would have won that by about 20 lengths. <laughs> he's, he's in a different league to Duke de Genève. Uh, a distance, but and he's and he's just trying to find just trying to find a bit of justice. Finally, yeah, exactly. Years later, he's still chasing <laughs> when he's running in the Fox Hunters. You can imagine. I tell you, he's going to win this. He's going to win it. <laughs> every every year, every podcast is going to be, you know what, one at a price, so I might be sneaking under the radar, she lost Emery. I know this is the first time over the banks, you know. <laughs> it's, it's the pattern is emerging here. Uh, he's talented, there's no doubt. He's nine now. Is he ever going to win a, a real big one? No. Maybe not. I think he's a very good horse, but that's like, we've kind of had his day, I imagine. Uh, if there's one, I'd have, uh, it'd be a place-only bet, really. I'd go for put the kettle on. Obviously, the record of Arthur winners in the champion chase of the year after is very good. I love the connections of having a go. I think that's a fantastic decision on their end. The mayor's chase is unfortunately going to be there for subsequent years. So that'll be her target, presumably, next year, unless she pulls off a miracle here. Obviously, she was fairly comfortably put by putting her place by Shakan 
last time out. But Cheltenham's going to suit them more. The course record obviously speaks for itself. It's very, very good. If there's a bit of cut in the ground as well, I think that'll be in a favour, just co- just so it isn't rattling quick, as I don't think she's naturally the quickest two-mire in the world. Obviously, she has form over, form over further. But as a place prospect, I think you can knock bigger holes in most of the others at the top of the market. So I think she'll run a great race, maybe in second or third. And yeah, I think Connections will be delighted with that if she does. Fair enough, lads. We'll move on then to the Glen Farkless cross-country chase. Interesting one this year, I reckon. Easy's land, last year's winner, even money to retain his crown over Tiger Hole at 5-1. to one. 11 to 2 Potter's Corner, same price Shady Operator, 7's Lord Dumenil, 12's Some Neck, 14's Balcor de Flow, 20's Lebroy, 20's, uh, 22 Alfred Ezobol, and 25's Kingsville Fieta, and out Sam. Uh, Dan, I'll come to you here first. My immediate reaction is Lebroy definitely goes off favourite because that happens <laughs> every time. <laughs> yeah, one of these days. One of these days he's going to land it. He'll be off 115 and he'll probably in a Catholic class 4 handicap. But he'll win eventually. Yeah, he'll win. win to get into the National this time. The, the West Yorkshire <laughs> National springs to mind. Yeah, he can run around my garden. Jesus uh, Christ. Uh, yeah. Easy's land, mate. We, we, had, we had the scare about an hour ago of some random man on Twitter saying he wasn't coming because of herpes. <laughs> that turns out it's a lie. Uh as far as we know, it's all systems go, and he's even money. He hasn't stopped most of the markets being suspended for this race, though, currently. But as I'm looking on odds checker, I think all bar about five or six have suspended the markets. So that man spreading herpes rumours all over Twitter. <laughs> like, I need to get him doing the same about some people I don't like, because clearly that information <laughs> spread quicker than the disease itself. Because uh, that, that was quite an impact he's had. It's a fair play to the bloke. He is... Uh, thrown the likes of Skybet, Betfred, Betway, all them for an absolute loop. So, good on him. I'd be concerned enough about Easy's Land anyway without him suddenly contracting herpes. Um, he's just had... <laughs> I can't really do this seriously now, can I? <laughs> it's like I'm chopped off again. <laughs> he's um, he's hadn't had a great preparation, let's be, fa- let's be completely clear about it. Obviously, he was disappointing at Cheltenham. He misses intended prep run as well. I think the David Cartan form of his yard has been out for some time as well. I think he's starting to have a few winners again, but it was a question mark and still probably is one. It was interesting that they were going to bring over Ajas, who's now not coming. I don't know exactly why, but he was a four to one chance when I last looked at this. Do you know why he's not going? The owner doesn't uh, think there's no point because he can't come over from Denmark. He wants to be able to watch him. Ah, fair enough. Fair enough. That makes sense. Um, So yeah, he would have been an interesting one. There's some horses in there. I just, it's probably presumably using it as a national prep, like Balco de Flo, Lord de Manil as well. He's a, Richard Hobson doesn't mind having some, uh, interesting prep runs for his horses. So I can see what, probably a spin before the national. Uh, look, the most solid one here is Sunneck, in my view. Yes. Like, it's, it's, honestly, if there's one race I'm going to have a no bet in at the festival, it's probably this, because it's just so uninspiring. I mean, Tiger Roll, you could, so many questions. Shady Operator's never run around the Cheltenham course, although he is trained by a genius in this sphere. Potter's Corner's been awful over hurdles recently. I mean, Sunneck, to win over the Cheltenham Bank's first time up, although his jockey got a significant ban for getting him to win, I think it's an impressive effort to do that, considering this course is a very much a specialist track. 
that was impressive. He had a spin in the attempts qualifier recently as well to put him spot on for this. He's still a decent enough shout at 16 to 1 each way, I think, uh, considering the amount of question marks there are, everything at the head of the market. If Easy's Land is on form, like last year, he'll win by any distance he wants to. He might even rival Monkfish for winning by 60 plus lengths. <laughs> he's, that, he's that far above everything else in this, in this sphere, but I, I struggle to see how you'd be confident that he, he is. Like, it is an t- entirely different preparation. You've now got French herpes. <laughs> like, it's, uh, it's hard to be confident in him. So if I was going to be, uh, my, put my betting head on, I'd be all over Sunneck each way. I think that's far more solid. Jim, would you like to take my favourite on? Sunneck did you a good favour back at Cheltenham in December. Yeah. Um, like you said, easy, Easy's Land hasn't exactly had the ideal prep. The one positive I take out of this is that Jonathan Plukenu isn't going to be waving his arms all over the shop riding him, which is the one thing that puts me in Easy Land's camp, that Felix de Giles will just be sat there just riding any race like a usual jockey because Plukenu scares the living daylights out of me. It's a nightmare. I love watching a man do the, do the YMCA mid-race through him. Well, it's not good if you've backed him. It's funny if you're just enjoying the race for what it is, but if you've backed him, God, there was, there's never a moment's rest where you think, good, yeah, what the hell is he doing? Um, Tiger Rove, will he bounce back? Um, is there anything left in the old boy? And uh, I mean, he's running to, in, a, in a hurdle sprint last time, and, and the blinkers were left off, and was the ground really in his favour if the, if he's ever going to spark back it'll be over these fences uh, and then hopefully he goes on to a happy retirement but I, 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 it'd be a bet that I wouldn't really want to be back in um, you mentioned some net Dan um, like Lewis said he did me a magnificent favour early on in the season I, I don't know where I pulled this absolute diamond from um, that, what price are you when you napped him you napped him for the rating the races nap comp and uh, and it was what like twenty fives or thirty threes on the on the Thursday evening That's and it was some shout your field. Pardon though, what did you say about the end part? Sorry, the, I just he was the rank outsider of the entire field when you put him up. Yeah, yeah. I, I just any any more credit you'd like to give me, I'm just going to take it now. <laughs> yeah, that's a miracle pick. Well, I, I, I was going to say that just just before I remind the listeners that you're back to one winner last Cheltenham. <laughs> All right, mm. right. Moving on. Um, <laughs> I mean, he jumped the banks magnificently. Well, as you mentioned, the jockey got a fairly heavy ban, and when you've sort of backed a horse, you sort of don't really see that happening. Um, <laughs> uh, but after the race, watching it back, he, he didn't have give some neck a belt, um, which wasn't very nice to see. Um, last time out of Punchestown, I took a lot of positives out of that Potemps race. They kept him over hurdles, prevent his mark, um, travelled into the straight fairly strongly, and then everything passed him due to them being a lot quicker than what he is. Um, of course, this staying distance takes some getting, and like Dan said, I think 16-1's to one's a decent enough each way price. Um, there's nothing else really in the race that I liked it when I first properly looked at this race a jazz was one that sort of stood out for me but now back landing back on uh, some neck I think he's at 16 to 1 hoping to do me the double uh, in, in the cross country 
Fair enough, mate. I'm with you. I, I can't have Easy's land at the minute at even money. There just has to be doubts about him. Even even carrying the weight he did uh, back here in November, I think it was a little bit disappointing. He went off 8 to 11 and just didn't never really travel with the same zest. Obviously, this is off level weights. So, life will be easier for him here. But, missed his intended prep run. Just, it's, it, you've, got to, you've got to have a lot of faith that things are right with him to back a horse at even money to win this sort of race. Tiger Old is likely to pull up than win and is the worst price of the festival. Uh, which leads me to the scumbaggiest of scumbag each way bets of the meeting, which is Potter's Corner will finish in the first three. He took, oh. he took well to course and distance uh, back here in November. In terms of uh, open chase form, he's probably got the best recent form of any of these barring Tiger Roll. <sighs> he's six six to one about him. Is the best price. You know, it's a horrific, horrific bet. But if you wanted to, you know, whack a little bit of money on on Potter's Corner each way, I think you get your money back at a minimum. <laughs> Oh, so you get you get to watch a race and you you get your money back as well. How nice! <laughs> it's free um, entertainment. And, and if he goes wins, because I I do not want to be with Easy's Land and I really do not want to be with Tiger Roll. So I have to look for something at a little bit more of, of a price. And there's nothing really standing out to me massively. Like you said, Dan Shady Operator coming over at Cheltenham for the first time. <sighs> then Banks races at Punchestown are funny as well, aren't they? You know. Top rated in that was was rated one three three, which was Space Cadet, who is going to be the one I'll, I'll make half a case for at an even bigger price, thirty three to one. Semi decent handicap chaser in Ireland, rated a peak of one three five. You know, ran placed in races like the Leinster National, and he's pumped the uh, place in a Fiestes, placed in the Punchestown National Trial. Been mixing uh, point to point with running under rules and hunters chasers nowadays. Again, look, he's he's an old boy, well exposed, ran well enough over the banks when a six length third to shady operator last time out. Uh, won the Ulster National this time last season. Absolute boat of an animal, but I don't think he should be five times the price shady operator is. At thirty-three to one, he might be a little bit of an interesting one at a massive price, but I, I, I don't want to be with the top two in the market. I have doubts about, well, serious doubts about them. There's nothing really mid-range in the betting that interests me particularly. A bulk of the flow surely is just they've run out of ideas. Uh, I appreciate some neck, and I can see the case for him completely. Again, Lord Dumeni. Look, he's really likeable as well, isn't he? And he'd have a chance if coming here and taking to the course. But I just think one horse who is, who we know is good enough to run well in a race like this and took to the course and has been in form over fences. I know he's ran badly over hurdles the last twice, but I think they just kind of keep him ticking over, you know, rather than going there with a serious chance of winning. And he very, very nearly qualified for the attempts, don't forget. One place off doing that, which is really is what we all want to do. Finishing sixth in a potential is as good as winning. Uh, so he's my 
the biggest scumbag better the festival, Potter's Corner each way. If you if they're paying fifth of the odds, money back if he places. If if he wins, he wins. There is a horse in this that brings Cheltenham cross country form of four three three, and he has got more letters in his uh, in his form than countdown. He's outside. <laughs> um, he was he was fourth behind some neck earlier on. He was third in this uh, behind Easy's Land last year. He was third in in the trial behind Easy's Land uh, in December 2019. He does like the course. He's more than likely going to be aimed to run at this, and he does every year. I, I, I wouldn't put you off out, Sam, even though that he is very temperamental and, and was, well, decisively beaten in that Grand National trial. Yeah. If, it, if we're going with big prices, then I'll, I'll go for a 50-to-1 shot, who's... Oh, probably more interested than most, I'd say, and that's Defi de Carre, who was narrowly beaten, much to your delight, by some neck last time like on, on his uh, British debut for Charlie Mann. He's a three-time cross-country winner in France when he came over. He's still only an eight-year-old. He was pulled up at Plumpton last time over regulation fences, but I think it was in a Sussex National. That's not going to be his game. He's a cross-country horse through and through. Considering... He's got the experience, and he's probably brought to race here, I'd say. 50 to 1, maybe a touch on the big side. Uh, there, I'd say there are worse 50 to 1 shots you could back. I mean, he was, I think he was getting nine pounds from Somnek last time out, but sometimes I think weight in cross-country races is almost like one of the lowest things I look for in terms of what a horse attributes for that kind of race. So I wouldn't be too disheartened by that. I think he, if Charlie Mann's probably aimed at this race for some time with him, if he comes up bang and firing, 50-1 to 1 could look quite big about his chances of sneaking into a place. Yeah, he did go off uh, second favourite to Easy's Land in a chase at Compiègne uh, over three miles on heavy. So, like you said, I'd be, I'd, he's got form with the favourite. and I, I like what he did at Cheltenham. That could be a shout, you know. Yeah, yeah. He, he takes to it. This is his discipline, you know what I mean? Like, the likes of... People will get suckered in on a day by likes of Good old friends, Alfred de Zobo, Lebroy, uh, like the rest, Lord de Manil. Oh, look, horses we know, like we were decent from rules. This is an entirely different game. Mm. Like it's like taking Lewis Hamilton out and saying, "All right, screw your F1 car, you're going mountain biking." Like, <laughs> yeah, he's good at racing, but not this racing. It's a different kind of ball game. So I think course form conquers all in this kind of stuff. So fifty to one is quite big. Yeah, I can see that completely. I think I think the thing we're taking away from this is that it's it's a race where it's going to be worth trying to find a price. Mm. He, he, if Easy's Land replicates his form from last season, Jesus Christ! If Easy's Land's ten pounds below his form from last season, he should win this. But at even money, it's not it's not the most attractive proposition. So it's some neck for you, Dan. Uh, yeah, some neck and a, a small little each way on Deffy to carry. For the permit. Some for you as well, Jim. Yeah, all over. All over. Probably gets into the national as well. As things stand, so neck would be interesting there. It seems like the owners want to go for that as well. Uh, the followers on Twitter, and I think I think they seem fairly keen on going for the national. Uh, and it's Potter's Corner each way for the most horrific bet I'll ever put up on this podcast. <laughs> Eleven to two each way. No bet if he doesn't. Make the first three, and if and if he wins, you get your money. Happy days. Uh, moving on to the 
4.15. It's officially the Johnny Henderson Close Brothers Handicap Chase. Everyone calls it the Grand Annual, though. And they bet best prices, 7-1. to one. That bastard Sky Pirate. <laughs> <laughs> Is that his official has been renamed? Oh yeah. Every time he runs he's the bastard. Oh <laughs> fucking Sky Pirate. His favourite for a race at the Cheltenham Festival. Oh He uh, won't win it though, so it's alright. Rather conveniently, seven to one also is embittered. Uh, <laughs> oh, same price in Tukas, eights for the Shunter, eleven Zanza. 12 Zibleo, Umbrigado, Eldorado, Allen, Tamarok, Dumatan, and Wave of the Sea. 14 Sizing Potsy, Chosen Mate, On the Slopes, Pontaven, Fanny on Destreval. And then you're getting 16s about Amula Gold, Us and Them, Moonlighter, That's It, Eclair de Bofu, and Sully Dock. Uh, I'll come to you first here, Dan. Another big handicap, mate. Yes, it's uh, always a fun one. Obviously, I think it's important to note, obviously, this is on the old course this year, as opposed to the new course, which poses a few more questions. I mean, normally this is a race where being prominent helps anyway because it can be so chaotic in behind. Obviously, you've got a massive field, two-mile handicap chase. It's kind of in the nature, but on the sharper old course, I think it's going to be paid to be handy. I think there's going to be an early scramble on for the early positions. And the one who will try and be handy and try and probably make always on the slopes. Now, this is a horse, if you remember, about this time last year, he was the anti-post favourite for this race. He was off the mark 136 back then and just didn't quite make the cut. I think last year was an unusually high benchmark to get in. I think it was 140. But he was widely fancy because he had some top form tying in with simply the bets and Imperial Aura all season. So he was a useful novice. And I think a lot of people thought this season he might land a big prize at some stage. I think he ran in two Cheltenham handicaps earlier in the season. He shaped as if in desperate need of the run first time out, went fifth behind Rouge Vif. And then he was really well backed next time out, but again was a bit disappointing finishing in fifth again. But immediately after that run, just two days later, he had a full wind up. And by from what I read, it was a full-on proper wind up, like all procedures done. Not one of these miracle, please God, let it work wind ups that are so often seem to be done. Like they clearly did see an issue. And I think Tom Cannon reported on the day of the race that he heard a noise. So, Hopefully that fixed the issue. And he had a spin in a jumper's bumper recently. I mean, let's not even bother analysing the form of that because it's just, it's, it's completely worthless. But it showed he's fit, he's, he's okay, and it shook some of the rust off. And this is his only entry. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if this has been the target for some time with him. And I think the way this race will be run, if he can get to the front, that's going to be bang on and for him. He's down to a mark 140 now, and I'd be disappointed if that isn't in his range. And He's just got quite a decent profile for this race. He's got experience, but he isn't fully exposed. And I think a lot of people like myself have thought there's a big handicap in this lad. And with all the attention kind of being drawn towards Sky Pirate, the Irish runners, I think some of the novices get quite a lot of attention as well. He might just be sneaking a bit under the radar. It's his only entry as well. So he looks pretty certain to line up. And if he does, I'd give him a great chance. If he can get to the front, he's a great jumper and gets into a rhythm. I see him going really close. Oh, I like that. I like that. Jim and I had a bit of a podcast project on On The Slopes last season, uh, didn't we, Jim? We did. And uh, it kind of broke our heart when he didn't get into the Grand Annual. Yeah, and he went to Kempton and 
battered return ticket, who I had a lot of time for, and he's he's improved a stone since they last met. Return ticket. Return so, ticket was my nap of the weekend last week as well. So you had it looked good for a while, and then he return ticket does what return ticket does, and oh, yeah. oh crap, there's a horse next to me. I'm gonna plow through this next fence. Mm. <laughs> he's a he's a funny one, but he's a good horse on his day on good ground, and on the slopes beat him around a sharp track on good ground. He's really mm. useful. He's not like an extravagant two miler on the slopes. He's a grinder, but I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing in this kind of race. No, I'd I'd agree with that completely. I think I think he's better than he's been able to show this season, and he he remains on a fairly workable mark one forty. If he's to go in this, Jim, where are you leading at this stage, pal? Uh, I have two darts in this. Uh, my first one will be El Dorado Allen. It can't obviously be a, a turf top podcast without a mention of a Colin Tizard horse. Um, four chase starts, two wins. That Grade Two win round uh, here. He underperformed at Sandown, but I'm pretty sure the track didn't suit. And I know he's a he's he's one over two miles, but you can see him being more of a two four horse. Um, I think the the changing track will aid him in this aspect back uh, back onto the old course rather than the new course. It won't be as sharp. Um, ran well behind Shishkin, I thought plenty of credit and a mark of one four nine. I think he's he's fair enough uh, in my opinion. Um, I think. I think he could be there or thereabouts. I think this is the target with him. They're missing all the novices and going for it with him. And the other one I like is Tharmix of Elizabeth Doyle's. Um, mm. One well on debut on heavy ground in a novice chase. Um, then she thought to be good enough to run against the Nergamine and Captain Guinness. And I know I've absolutely spanked him that. But for Elizabeth Doyle to sort of pitch a horse into that higher quality sort of piqued my interest and uh, won another novice chase round uh, Punchestown. Very, very good ride by Jack Kennedy that, that day. Beating Denny Lacey in Sempo and Sempo round the other day and, and did what he normally does, come on flying and hopefully they'll run him in a two-mile four handicap sooner rather than later. Given a mark of one four three here, which could be lenient and I don't think he's the t- I, th- I think could progress past that mark. Uh, and if they decide to go for this I think twenty-five to one could be an interesting price. Fair enough, Jim. Fair enough, mate. Uh, I'm sticking with a horse I put up for the county last season here, embittered, who's on the exact same mark as he was when third behind Aramon and Saint Wa in the county hurdle last season. Look, that form's worked out very, very well. Saint Wa's probably a Grade Two horse now over hurdles in Ireland, not quite matched expectations, but. Clearly better uh, than his rating on the day. He absolutely danced up in the county, to be fair. It was a joke. But definitely mid-150s animal. Aramon went up on the Galway hurdle after that as well. He's a mid-150s animal. So in bit of coming here off 146, that form line suggests that still could be workable. And it is. he does have the sort of Cheltenham Festival novice in a handicap profile of running well in graded races without winning fourth in the Irish Arco last time out. That was a fair enough performance. Beaten fearless by Andy Dufresne at Navan earlier in the season as well. This should be more of his level. He's a horse I've been a fan of for a while, to be fair. Prior Cheltenham Festival form still could be well handicapped, and I think he goes well in this. Uh, the other two at the top of the betting are in Tukas and Sky Pirate. What do you make of them, Dan? I see you in Tukas. 
I, I like the fact that he's got handicap experience now. I think that's for me. I know chosen mate didn't have it last year, but I mean, he was quite an exceptional winner. And he's, it's interesting that he's going to turn here up here again after an indifferent season. I can see him going well again despite the big weight. But I like the fact that in two because of running handicaps, he's kind of had that experience now. Whether you just question if he's going to go out and actually win a race now, it would be the the problem. Obviously, he seems to be knocking on the door a lot. I think you see the connections and think, has he been laid out for this race? I wouldn't be so sure. I'd say he's just probably performing as expected, but I can still see him giving a bold shout. Sky Pirate, obviously, a lot of people were calling him almost a banker before he ran for the second time in a handicap and absolutely hacked up again and then was forced up into novice company against all mankind. At this stage, is this going to still be the target? Do we know? Are they might, might they go back over hurdles? I think there's a, a doubts about where he goes potentially. And off one five two now, after he took a bit of a beating by off all mankind, I would be inclined to look elsewhere personally. Fair enough, mate. And your opinion on the other two, Jim? Yeah, pretty pretty much summed up a lot of it already. I, I think. Sky Pirate's handicap mark is too high for him to win this now. I know he has shown significant improvement up at two miles rather than up in distance, um, but he's not for me. I mean, Bitter's becoming that horse where everyone thinks, oh, he's got a big race in him, oh, he's got a big race in him, and it's just flattered to deceive sometimes, and I think he's becoming more exposed now, um, and I'm, I, couldn't, I couldn't have either of the two at the prices. I will enjoy it if Sky Pirate wins. Oh, well, I won't. <laughs> that, it's going to be the most hated cr- horse yeah. on the podcast. He's, he's caused us all sorts of trouble this year, and for that, I really hope he doesn't win. <laughs> no, I, I like him. I, I enjoy I enjoy the way he mugs us off. I think he makes <laughs> he's a He's a fun villain, and he's like Doofenshmirtz and Phineas and Ferb. <laughs> what a reference. Well. I know, uh, that came out of nowhere. <laughs> I think he's had that written down for some time. He's been waiting <laughs> for this race to bring that out. <laughs> oh, all off the cuff, mate. Just, just quick wit and a quick mind. Uh, I'll give half a chance to Zanza as well, who I, put, who I mentioned uh, in the entries for last weekend's race, and he didn't end up running. But he still could be on a very, very workable mark of 145. Decent hurdler. Ran well in the Betfair hurdle last season. Looks better over fences. Won on his handicap debut at Newbury back in November and was travelling well when falling behind Sky Pirate over uh, over course and distance in December. Uh, yeah, I think he's got half a chance. Like Jim mentioned, he played off for the champion chase. He's a lovely animal as well, but he'll need a career best to win this off one five four. And the other thing I'll mention about this race is what is battle over Doyen? How many horses are entered the Grand Annual, the Champion Chase and the Grand National in the same season? One <laughs> one positive, though, about this is I think it might... It will get his ground. His, his best performances have been on better ground. And, like, you look at his fourth and his uh, sixth last time were on soft. The peak performance this season was thrashing Easy Game and Sam Crow, but that was on good ground. Um <laughs> I've got a sneak feeling um, he might be going to the Ryanair, and I think he might outrun his odds. Oh well, he's he, he, well, he's he's in five races at Cheltenham. They've taken him out of the national now, but there can't be that many horses who've held 
that variety of entries over the uh, over the seasons. He won't win any handicap of one six two either. Uh, so it's embittered for me, James. Um, can I have two? El Dorado, Allen, and Farmix. Fair enough, mate. And for you, Dan? On the slopes for me. I would enjoy on the slopes winning. He's part of the Turf Talk 12 with Owen Johnson putting him in for us. As we move on to the last of the race. On Wednesday at Cheltenham, it's the champion bumper. And they currently bet best prices 7 to 4 for Kilcrook to beat Sigurhard at 2 to 1. Ten's free stripe life, twelve's Eric Bloodaxe, fourteen's hollow games, sixteen's let's be clear about it, twenties Ramilly's Ramy Day Woman, Chemical Energy, LS Bell, Grongy, and I like to move it. Jim, I'll come to you first. Do you believe the hype with Kilcrot? No, I, 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 this is the one race that I really have absolutely zero interest in. Um I, I really couldn't care less about it. Um Kilcrot was fortunate last time that they went a, a hell of a gallop and almost the race just fell apart into his lap um, to make him an easy winner of the race in the end. Um, I'm, I'm just wary of that performance and, and he could absolutely hose up here, but I've got to sort of take a step back and think, does he really have to improve? With his farm line, we'd like to be clear about it. Uh, he, he absolutely thrashes Sir Gerhard here and, and the worry with Sir Gerhard he's moving with Mullins is it's a change of routine will that make a difference um, and going into the festival I, I, I was a fan of Sir Gerhard um, but now he's changed stable it's just slightly worried me almost um, which which I mean I won't put you off backing him but it's a worry in the back of my mind. Um, this is a race that often throws up an absolute no hoper that ends up running a fairly decent race. And the only one that I can sort of put into this would be gold bullion of Paul Nichols, isn't it? In the Malcolm Denmark colours. One a heavy ground bumper at Warwick beating Cold Name Lease, who has since come out and franked the form. Um, and is in, I think, the listed handicap, uh, listed mayor's bumper at the weekend. Um, and I liked what he did that way day. He was really unfurnished and he had, he, he was in front a long way out and just kept galloping on. And the worry will be the ground because he is, he hits the ground fairly hard, but he's the only other one in this that sort of interests me. He has to progress a hell of a lot, but 33 is a, it's a price where I'd be chucking a few quid on, but um, Kilcrut and Sigurhard are looking like streets ahead, but I, I don't fancy either of them. It's a race that really doesn't interest me. Interest me. It's a glorified flat race that's useless. So let's just look. Let's just look at Eileen Dover holes up and then go on the flat next season. That's that's, that's the only thing that, put, that interests me in the bumper scene this year. I I really don't like the bumper scene at the minute. Oh, there was no point me asking you, really, was there? No, there wasn't. And I should have probably just said that at the beginning. It's a race I really couldn't <laughs> care less about. Should have just said, I'll piss he, on your bonfire. He, he really didn't care about it much, but he went on for five minutes about it. <laughs> <laughs> Very well researched as well, with outsiders at 33 to 1. Yeah, couldn't give a fuck about it. Other than that, <laughs> very well researched. <laughs> Dan, what about you, mate? 
very, very... I, I mean, the prices have narrowed, actually, now, between kill and hard. Yeah, the, well, they're correcting, I think. I've, I've done a few things here and there where I was asked the one lay I would have at the festival, and it's not something I generally do, but my one lay would have been Kelkrut. But he is drifting now to probably what is more like his correct price. I still think Sagerhard will go off favourite, and he'd be the way I'm siding. I think for all of this season, he's been the, the horse for this race. And if you look at Gordon's string of bumper horses, I think they far succeed Willie's. And he's always been the one that they've held in highest regard. Obviously, three-stripe life has come for money for Gordon as well recently. Hollow Games, I think, is a really nice stayer in the making. And stayers can do well in the bumper, so I can see him probably picking up a place. I'd take Sagerard over Kilcrook, because I just have concerns about whether Kilcrook can rep- replicate what he did at the Dublin Racing Festival. Obviously, it was very stunning visually. I think once the race has been picked apart by like the analysts and the time time sectionals that you can tell the race fell apart the finishing speed was quite low but it was still a very visually stunning performance but comments from Patrick Mullins about how he takes a lot less work than all the other horses at the yard how he struggles to keep condition things like that would concern me just in the sense of is it possible to get him absolute bang on spot on every time considering he struggles to keep condition and then you throw into the element all the traveling uh, that's also is going to take a toll on these horses. And at the prices, that would be enough to concern me. Whereas the Gerhard's going to arrive a fresher horse. Obviously, I don't have any major concerns about Willie getting him ready, to be honest, just because I think most of the work would have been done. Um, I see the point about it's an unnecessary question mark, but would you pose the same question mark to Envoyelan? Um I wouldn't necessarily tar him with that brush, I think all the preparation would have nearly enough been done by the time they moved. So I'd be happy to just assess him as a horse. And as a horse, I think he looks a really top-class prospect. And he can give Cheaply Park their third win in the race in a row, which would be a, an astonishing feat, really. You see, I kind of think I buy it with Kilcrop. I oh, He was obviously flattered by the manner of victory. At Leopardstown last time, it was the division standout performance. The race fell apart on the front end. Everything went far too quick, and Kilcrook was able to, uh, you know, make up distance from midfield, and he absolutely danced home. Watching the horses who were, you know, in a similar position to him during the main body of the race. You know, you had Noble Yates, who was a expensive purchase. If I broke a maiden over hurdles the other day, you know, went off six to one for this, obviously had fairly well fancied, couldn't go any sort of gallop. The form line with Let's Be Clear About It, who emerged really creditably because he stuck to his task after being on the front end, uh, via, via links closely to Segerhard, you know, they were, he's been run up to them both. Kilcrut, yes, he was clearly flattered by the manner of victory. But I don't think it's to the degree that some people are stating. That was the best bumper we've seen all season. You know, chemical energy, uh, Gordon, uh, I was going to say Gordon Elliott's horse, he's not anymore. But, uh, you know, he was two out of two. He beat on Eagle's wings of Timmy Hydes, who's proven himself to be a semi-decent, about 130-rated hurdler this season. You know, let's be clear about it, a very, very good yardstick. Ramelis. The uh, other Mullins horse, 
impressive at Leopardstown the time before that. He probably emerged as the third best horse in that race, given the way it was run, even though he finished fifth. And he might be the each way swing here at 20s. He's better than the bear results show that day. Uh, and yet, like you said, Dan, I feel public opinion is is almost overwhelmingly against Kilcrut, and I think he might become a backable price. Because what he's done so far is better than what Sir has done. Obviously, you know, they've only had limited opportunities to prove what they can do. But I, I think I buy it. I think the forming behind stacks up. And even and even if he is if he was flattered by what he did, he still had to go and do it. You know what I mean? A, a, an awful horse wouldn't have done that in the manner he did. Sugar had, like you said, just very, very good. Quickened really, really tidily to beat, let's be clear about it. He's had a big reputation all year long. They're the right two at the top of the market and there's very, very little between them. Free Stripe Life, well supported on his debut at Navan. Again, that was easy. Probably not the most depth to that field. But he, he he falls under the category of could be anything. Uh, Eric Bloodaxe has a little bit to prove. Being off for over a year, wouldn't be wanting to throw him in straight into this. I like Hollow Games. I think he's going to be a really, really nice uh, staying chaser going forward. The horse he beat last time out, Euro Tiep, has won today. Expensive point-to-point purchase. Beat the Banger Doyle, who also has form lines linking with Sigurhard. At Punchestown earlier in the season, he travel. He, I like the way he travels, and he seems to find when he's asked, he's got an each way chance. And let's be clear about it. As I said, he's a very, very solid yardstick. I'd give Ramelis an each way shout at twenties. It's a race I'm looking forward to, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> I, I genuinely, I, I don't have no interest in the race whatsoever. If I had to push you, mate, who are you going for? Do you have to push me? Um, he's going for a beer at half when his race comes on. That's where he's going. <laughs> I, well, I'm going for a sleep by then. I, I think I'll be worn <laughs> out after all this. Um, uh, what was the horse? I just go bullying. I'll go 33s. Why not? Do, Jim's going to be one of these men who, who's one of them really annoying people you'll get on Twitter who go, oh, the best bet today is actually at your Toxiter. <laughs> no. Oh, no, it's not. Grow up. <laughs> I'm not that criminal. Good. Grow up. What's Cheltenham like a normal person? Stop trying to be smug because you found one in a class six at Sedgefield. Uh, Dan. Oh, there goes my class six at Sedgefield there. But <laughs> I can't put it out of shame now. Uh, so Gerhard for me. Um, the, the market is going to be crucial here. Like, obviously, that should be determined most people where they go in terms of all their bets they place. I almost formed my opinion when Sir Gerhard was 5-2 to two and Kilcrop was 6-4, to four, but they are starting to get a bit closer together. Even if they were the same price, I'd go Sir Gerhard, but there will come a time if Kilcrop keeps drifting, he'll become backable, but that time isn't just yet. It's Kilcrop for me. I, I believe the hype, which is something I don't normally do. I'm normally massively sceptical about that level of performance, but I think... I think it stacks up the horses he were beating. Uh, Dan, time to talk about your tote tend to follow team. The team's uh-huh, called, yes. The team's called Seaview Hotel and they've got in it Aplutar, I Right, Shackle Porsois, 
Envoilen, Gentleman de May, Melon, Monkfish, Shishkin, third time lucky, and Time Hill. I guess you've already brought him up on the podcast, but Gentleman de May's he's probably a little bit of a left field addition into there. Why are you so keen on him? Oh, I just I'd be so disappointed if he isn't better than one three nine. And he's like my little Martin Pipe project. When I was doing the, as you know, we the, the previews we were doing for race by race. He's probably the horse that got me the most excited about a handicap, and I love them anyway. And when I first kind of dug him out, he was 20-odd, 25-to-1, and now he's 11-to-2 favourite. But he he strikes to me as a horse who should be a graded chaser. So off 139, I'm really hoping he can win. Obviously, eight of these, I think, were all from the bonus races. I just tried to get a bit of coverage in them. Uh, and then I went for a, a couple of rogue ones with Gentleman to me and I right, just to throw in some uh, differentials. Um, yeah, I love Gentleman to me. He's like one of the, it's the last race of the day or, or the festival indeed, but he's the one I'm almost looking forward to the most. I could have egg on my face massively though if he, he absolutely bombs out, but that's the risk we take. I right as well. You've mentioned him for the Ultima and um, third time lucky. I'm assuming he's your county hurdle pick, mate, for the skeletons. Well, yeah, my theory is it could go. He could go in a, a very weak supreme where I just give him a decent chance of finishing in the places. But if he goes to the county, he's probably going to be one, of, if not the favourite, given he's a, it's a skeleton horse. I think by all accounts today, there seem to be the vibes that he's going to the county instead. So in that case, I, I give him a decent chance of whichever race he runs. I tried to do the same with the Devil's Coachman, who got both options. But I, literally as soon as I entered the stable, I think five minutes later, just scrolling through Twitter, yep, Devil's Coachman out of, out of Cheltenham. So that has happened a couple of times on this list, actually. So everything I touch just seems to... Well, not make it. So hopefully, for God's sake, let all of these ones make it. That would be a disaster. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Who would you say is, is the member of your team you, you're keenest on, Dan? Oh, I mean, probably Envoy in terms of pure win prospect. But now, if my one I'm most excited about, just because I'm I'm falling so far off the cliff, is Gentleman Demay. I do love the horse. Lovely. Love that, mate. And if you don't know why Dan's team's called Seaview Hotel, go back and listen uh, to the latest <laughs> Jock Toff. Uh, before we go, it's RTR nap comp time for the Wednesday, and I'll come to you first, Jim. Your nap, your second and your third best, mate. It's very hard to see past Monkfish, so he's going to have to be the nap. Maybe he's not going to win by the 60-odd lengths that Lewis predicted, but <laughs> I, I certainly think, although he is a short price, he's most certainly nap material. Um, my next best will be Bob Ollinger. Um, definitely will take, will throw his hat into the ring in that, in that race. And um, As much as I like the profiles of the others, I think he's rock solid. And my third best Will be in the cross country with some neck. I tell you what, no. <laughs> the, the Wednesdays, in my opinion, a bit of a step down from the Tuesday. As much as I'm not the biggest fan of the Tuesday, um, it's the day I've struggled to find the win, the most winners on. And uh, hopefully, we have more winners on the Wednesday than I did last year. At least you don't have the Fred Winter anymore. Yeah, well, I, I quite like the Fred Winter this year. I think it's interesting. Such a contrarian. <laughs> I swear I just say things just to say the opposite to Lewis <laughs> that's why the show's so good yeah <laughs> Dan you're a uh, free picks mate alright let's, let's go a bit rogue I'll, I'll go on the slopes nap in the, in the Grand Annual I'll go Bob Ollinger 
next best for the Ballymore and Alpha Mix for the Coral Cup. Ooh, I'm a, I'm massively boring on the Wednesday. Monkfish is an app and shock and poursoir is the next best, and I still think their price is at odds on. Look, you're getting near enough even money about Jacques and Poissois. I'd have him closer to 7-4 to four on or 2-1 to one on. Think he dances up. Uh, and my third pick would probably be Embittered. Although I wouldn't... I wouldn't uh, that, that There's not a huge difference between that and Craig Niche, but it'll be Embittered as my third pick in the Grand Annual. Dan, thanks a lot for coming on, mate. No worries at all, mate. Thank you for having me. First time I've been on and actually discussed and analysed racing instead of just saying outrageous things. <laughs> Although I think a few outrageous things were said anyway. Um, but we got there in the end, so thank you very much for having me on. Yeah, absolute pleasure, mate. Jim, thanks for turning up. Cheers. Um, <laughs> look, just a little bit of fun here, Lewis. If Chacon Porsoir and Monkfish win, I will buy you a pair of Rich Richie socks from Hacked Up Racing. <laughs> Fantastic. There you go. Uh, Throwing a bit of fun into the podcast. Who say I'm not generous? <laughs> what if he wins by 60 plus lengths? If he wins pairs? by 60 lengths, I'll buy Monkfish. <laughs> <laughs> now, I thought you were going to say we by the sock factory. <laughs> <laughs> no. Fresh pair of socks every day is the dream. <laughs> oh, he's a man who, t- who enjoys enjoys a high life, doesn't he? A man who enjoys a high life. Uh, yeah, uh, hope you've enjoyed listening as well. Thanks to our friends at Rating the Races and at the Tote for their support this Cheltenham Earth. Thanks to everyone for listening, and we'll see you again later in the week. See you later. Stay safe.